think it was four minutes in, we turned them over in the corner and the crowd goes, I mean, we didn't, we didn't score a goal. I don't even know if it was a chance, but the crowd goes nuts because they knew, okay, the style's going to be high pressing. So I was kind of a moment. I'm like, this is, I mean, this is a bumping crowd and this is also a knowledgeable crowd. I mean, they know the style of football we're trying to play and they're getting excited when we execute what we're trying to do, you know, with a high, a high pressing turnover. Welcome to a new edition of the City Voice podcast. I am joined by an extremely special guest, Carl Hebert. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. It's exciting to have you on because um, I've been following you since you joined City 2, like going to like SLU and all of those different places. Um, and now we're sitting together and you've clinched the playoffs. You've played loads of minutes. Like, how do you feel about the season so far? Yeah, it's been a whirlwind, you know, the games when it started, it still feels like the Austin game, that home opener was just like just around the corner. Like it wasn't that long ago. It's hard to remember. It was all the way back in February or March. And then, I mean, just games every week. And it's, it's such a good group to be playing games with. And the fact that we've been winning has been a cherry on top. Well, it's been really great watching you all of this season. Um I've been spending a lot of time like researching your career and like what what a great story you've got. Uh, I would love to to start by talking about where you grew up, um, LaSalle in Winnipeg. Yeah, LaSalle is uh, just outside of Winnipeg. So I sometimes say I'm from Winnipeg, sometimes from LaSalle, but basically the same place. Yeah, That's it, Canada people. In Canada, yes. Um, what was it like growing up there? Was it a, a cold part of Canada? Like what was the soccer vibe like? Yeah, I mean, it's a cold part of Canada. So you, you probably are, are winter in the dead of winter for five or six months of the year. Uh, the summers get not as warm as here, um, probably like 30 degrees Celsius. Um, but there's indoor soccer facilities. And I think growing up in Winnipeg, there was a, you know, a very diverse soccer community because a lot, of, a lot of kids played hockey, but you had people from all over the world. And those would be the people who grew up with soccer you know, running through their veins. And so for me as a little kid, to have kind of like learn about different cultures and whatnot, it was through the game of soccer. And so I like look back on that and think that was, you know, something I was never intending to do. I was just playing the game because I loved it, but it was a, a byproduct of playing soccer in Winnipeg. Who introduced you to soccer in your family or was it like a friend's thing? I think, I mean, I grew up on a farm, so we had a huge yard and I just always, I mean, I just remember having a ball at my feet. I'm assuming my parents put it there. I think the running joke we have now, because people ask me, you know, why not hockey? And I would say it's because my parents were too cheap to buy the equipment, which <laughs> there's a definitely an element of truth there. You know, hockey just gets, the sticks are 400 bucks and you need to pay for ice time. And soccer really is the beautiful game where you can, you can be on your own with the ball and you can learn and practice and play and do so many things. Were your parents soccer fans? No, not at all. My dad was a hockey fan. Um, my mom not really as much into sports so they they fell in love with the game for you yeah yeah kind of I mean they've they've learned so much about the game I just even remember I'm I was maybe eight or nine and my dad still had a, a hockey mindset so you know I used to play a little bit higher up the pitch and so when we'd be pressing someone after they played the ball he would you know tell me finish your checks so like I would lay the guy out you know what I mean <laughs> you like lay the kid out and you're on to the next one so I was playing soccer as someone who grew up with a dad who knew hockey, you know, but since that time, his soccer knowledge has evolved tremendously. So you pick up a ball at three years old, like what, what sort of 
soccer level are you playing at? Are you like, uh, is there a, is there a local team that was integral to like giving you the the tools that allow you to be a pro today? Yeah, I think. I mean, for the first however many years, it was, it was you know just for fun, and um, I'm trying to remember the, the teams that I was on. There, there was one memory. I think I was six or seven, and you know playing other communities outside of Winnipeg, and we go up three nothing in the first half, and I have a hat trick. And they're short players. So we need someone from our player to go join their team. And so I switch teams and then I score a hat trick for their team. And so it's one of my favorite soccer memories as a little kid was, you know, when I was six or seven and I played myself to a a 3-3 draw. Now that wasn't the highest level at all. I think probably when I was 13 or so, 12 or 13, uh, getting involved with the provincial team, there was an academy through high school like a national development center and I started playing USL 2 when I was 15 years old so that's probably when it started to take off in terms of you know really dedicating myself to soccer specifically were you always a defender no I was a midfielder probably until I was 16 years old I played midfield I think when I was younger more attacking mid um, and I just got older more you know defensive mid and then when I think I was 16 I made the switch to center back. And so I just kept moving further and further back on the pitch. Do you think playing in midfield has given you that ability on the ball to, to move between the lines? Does it, does it help being a midfielder once you've dropped into defense? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, and even now, having played across all across the back line, I'm super thankful for the experiences I had when I was a kid, you know, playing in different positions. And, it, and you really realize to play at this level, you know, something that I want to continue to grow in is being a more complete footballer. So you had a, you, you were obviously very good because you had a trial with Vancouver. Is that correct? Before yes. you sort of moved to the States. Talk, talk, me, talk me through that and how that impacted your thinking about the game. Yes, I was probably grade 10 and it was, you know, I was doing really well in the National Development Center. And although we were pretty far from Vancouver, we were in their region. And so whenever someone from Manitoba would do well, um, there was one or two of us, we would fly out to Vancouver and we'd be on, you know, on trial for their academy team. And I remember it just it being a stressful week for me because you, you didn't know anyone you were training with. You know, the other kids, they already knew. I mean, you're 15 year old kids, but you know, for me to come and be on this team, someone who's already there is going to get cut and has to leave. And I just, I just remember I, I did all right, but it wasn't. I remember the coach sat me down after and said, you know, look, for us to take you and cut someone else, you're going to have to be, you know, head and shoulders better than them. And it's, it's a hard thing to go into somewhere and you have a week in front of them to, to show yourself at a level higher than the standard that's already there. When you, th- that sort of rejection, does it impact you or were you like, didn't really feel right for me? Um, yeah, to be honest, I remember being pretty nervous about if I got accepted, I just assumed like if I got accepted, I was going to go. And I had conversations with my parents later where they, they would have been hesitant about sending a 15 year old across the country, um, you know, pretty impressionable age. Um, yeah. So, but I definitely, the rejection and I'd faced other rejection at that point in my career too. I think that was already starting to be fuel for me. You know, it's something that I would use when I would train or when I would run just conversations that were that were had or stuff that I had heard where you know people or coaches you know didn't believe in me or doubted me 
we have young people that listen to these podcasts and see heroes like you on the pitch um, every week. Do you have any advice to young people trying to make it in the game at the moment who have faced rejection, like how to, how to deal with those things? Yeah, I think it's important to, you know, to use that, um, but have it not become a piece of your identity. So you don't want to, you don't want to take it and hear it and think, oh, this person said, you know, I'm too slow, or this person said I'm not technical enough, because um, you have the ability to change as a footballer and as a person. And so just recognizing in your mind, okay, I'm, I heard this, you know, this was hard to hear. How am I using this? Am I using this to fuel myself to grow and improve? Or am I using this, like, are you sitting on the couch being like, oh, I'm not very good. You know, I might as well just stay here. And that's how you can start to, to know, like, are you using that rejection properly? Love that. So college soccer, how did you end up at Missouri State? Yeah, so the USL team, USL2 team I started playing on when I was 15, we would travel down Springfield, Missouri, St. Louis, Chicago, and I would call the D1 schools. At that point, I knew, okay, I didn't get into the Whitecaps Academy. Um, College soccer is a good way to go. And I think that's when I faced probably the most rejection kind of coming out because I had three youth national caps with Canada's under 18 team. I thought like I'm playing USL two at a decent level and I end up with a meeting with someone and he says, okay, if you want to turn pro from college soccer, you need to go to these 10 schools or 12 schools. These are the schools that get kids drafted. And I reached out to all of those schools and I think one of them responded and then that fizzled. So like, okay, I can't go to these schools. They're not interested. Let's just, check with basically all of the D1 schools in the area where I'm going to be traveling to play. Missouri State was one of them. Um, and the coach showed an interest in me. It was an affordable option. And I think at the time they were ranked like 110th in the country or something crazy. And so I thought, okay, this program's going to need to have a major 180 um, for me to be able to chance to, to live my dreams post-college soccer, which fortunately we did. Did you always have your heart set on being a pro soccer player or did you hedge a little bit? Like how did uh, in, in the in the dream ranking, hmm. like where, where did soccer sit? Yeah, I think soccer was one, two and three. Ever since I was four, um, it was like, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. It's this is what I'm set on doing. Um, you know, you tell people when you're a little kid, they say, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you'd say pro soccer player. And you get, you, sometimes you get the looks from people. Like, oh, like, what's your backup plan? And I remember I just always used to say, there's no backup plan, you know, because they would, they would assume you're just like every other young kid, right? That, oh, you just have this dream. And, but I was like, I was actively doing something about it and working at it and training. And so I had that, I had that belief. And that's something that carried through me through um, high school, through college. I think I always had that belief that this is where I'd end up. So, you had some difficult injuries at the start of your college career. Talk mm-hmm. to me about um, what happened. Yeah, before I'd never had a major injury. And before I left in 2015 for my first season, I tore my MCL in my left knee. Um, it wasn't supposed to be a season ending injury. Um, unfortunately, I, I think I came back too soon and was trying to get back on the field. And it, it wiped out my first year in college soccer. And uh, that was very hard, you know, just trying to come to terms with like I'd You'd never had that happen before. So I was just, I think for three months of the fall season, all I was cleared to do was run in a straight line. 
And so I would just run. I just remember they'd be training. I'd just be running up and down the side of the pitch thinking, you know, when can I get back on the field, touch a ball, be training. Um, and I got healthy in the spring of 2016, geared up for the fall season in 2016. And the second last preseason game, I tore my PCL on my right knee. And this one, they knew, like, your season's done for sure. And so I think that was harder to kind of reconcile because I had just missed my first year, gotten healthy, fought my way, you know, not only onto the team, but into the starting lineup and then to be, all right, you're going to miss another year. Um, that was probably the darkest time of my college career. How do you get through those times? You're an, you're an athlete. You've been dreaming of being a pro athlete since you're four. And then mm. all of a sudden, two, two difficult things have happened to you. Like what, what's your, what tools do you lean on for, for those sorts of moments? Yeah, I, I leaned heavily on my uh, faith in God. Um, a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time just you know openly talking. You know why why is this happening to me? I mean, I was frustrated, um, and I also leaned on my family as well back home in Canada. I think you know if we could track the FaceTime minutes I had with my mom and dad um, during that time, it was pretty high. Then you you come back from those injuries. How long does it take before you like truly trust your body? Because mm. is there a, is there sort of uh, I'm, if I turn sharply, is something going to is something bad going to happen again? Do you have to work on that side of your game? Yeah, to be honest, I think that was one of the hardest times too. That's probably the only time I thought this will be what stops you know stops my soccer career it was actually the spring of 2017, following the knee injury in 2016, and I had pain in my knee the whole semester, but structurally it was sound. And so that, that's one thing that just robs the joy of the game is, you know, you're being told, yeah, your knee's fine. But every time you go out to do the game you love, you know, you're, you're playing through pain. And that pain, you know, just got a little better. It continued through the fall of 2017. So it's actual pain. It's, it's actual, not just imaginary it's pain. It's not it's just like imaginary really pain. Yeah, it's not just imaginary. And it's just, it's just funny looking back because that was pain in my right knee. I mean, every time I struck a ball over 15, 20 yards... And so I started playing left center back and I was using my left foot in training pretty much all the time. And so I became a much more two-footed player, which now, you know, for St. Louis City has been something where I've been almost playing exclusively on the left side, you know, using a lot of my left foot. And that was stuff that I, you know, had worked at before, but that year in 2017 when it was like, like I don't want to use my right foot. Because so you had to. I had no choice, right? So I was like working at it like crazy. Um, for that year, and that's something that's helped me tremendously. How long did it take for the for the pain to subside? Probably spring of 2018. So it was, you know, I tore it in August 2016. You know, got healthy or healthy um, end of 2016 and all of 2017. I had pain in my knee when I played. I mean, it is a, I definitely think it's something that fans don't consider that when you guys are out on the mm. pitch, quite often you're playing with niggles, injuries that have taken a while and they don't understand the, the psychological uh, barriers that you push through to, to get to your, to your goals. Yeah, I mean, there's, once, once you get to this point of the season, it's, it's rare to be feeling 100%. And so you're always... But, you know, you'll have maybe a bad game or someone will have a bad game and there could be stuff going on injury-wise or family-wise. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, the fans, they won't have any idea. Um, and so it's something, I think that's something about being a good pro is can you, 
you know, find a way to execute at a high level, even when you do have those games where you're like, it's just a get through it and try and get three points game. You know, there's not a lot of joy in it when you're, when you're playing through a lot of pain. So when you finally get back on the pitch, you're feeling fit, like you, you really broke out, didn't you? Like there was no stopping you. Like you were player of the season. Like you had a really good time when you came back into the side, you really made a name for yourself. Yeah, we had, I mean, so I came back in in 2017. I think we had a good year in 2017 and 2018. Um, And then 2019, I mean, I've I've said it a a bunch before, but we had a ton of team success. We went 16-0-0 in the regular season, um, won the program's first ever NCAA tournament game. uh, And then with that kind of team success, we were such a close-knit group, came a lot of individual accolades as well. And so I was a starter playing well, and to be honest, not really focused. And I had no idea. I mean, I remember when I got to be an All-American in 2019, it was not something I was like, I never thought I would be an All-American. I mean, that was something that I'd heard of, but it was because our team, you know, there's so much additional work put in by our team that allowed me to get, you know, th- those rewards and accolades. Yeah, you, um, I've got it written down here. MVC Defender of the Year, three straight years running. The first player to do so. Did do, do those um, do those awards mean something to you uh, as they're happening, or are you just so focused on the on the bigger picture? You... Yeah, to be honest, I think very focused on the the bigger pic- bigger picture and what we could do um, as a team. And then those things, I think they just follow. You know, they tend to follow because they'll always look at okay, this is a really good team. Let's give some individual stuff to players on this team. And there was a lot of collective defending that helped me you know get get those awards so the last kind of bit of adversity that you faced before we get into the st louis story um you were part of the 2022 super draft but you weren't selected did you um do you have an expectation that that might happen um did you speak to any clubs before like what was um what was it like going into that yeah actually Funnily enough, our season, so our season ended fall of 2021. I know college soccer is done. Uh, me and Josh Dolling get put on. We're kind of on the extended list to be eligible for the Super Draft and to go to the MLS Combine. We have to fill out, it's probably three or four hours of paperwork. You know, you do all this personal information. You're putting stories, favorite song, childhood memory. You're giving them everything. And we're training to get ready for the Combine. And I remember, you know, the three or four days before the combine, we get an email saying, yeah, you haven't been selected for the MLS combine. And then it, and then that's when it hits me, you know, all this work that, you know, I'd put in, our team had put in and, and now I don't have an agent. I don't, I mean, you can't just text someone at a professional club. Hey, can I come? You know I mean? That's just not how it works. I have no connections. Um, so I'm thinking, what on earth am I going to do? I remember my wife and I, we, I was married at the time we were praying through it. You know, we don't have any answers. And the very next day, John Hackworth called and he had seen me play and he had this, this opportunity with St. Louis city too. And I remember hearing it thinking, okay, I have one year with a next pro team for a first team that doesn't exist yet with an option to get in with the first team. I mean, it was just a slam dunk, uh, opportunity. I remember him asking if we had any questions and I think I came up with one or two things to ask but I was like I really didn't care it didn't really matter the amount of money or whatnot I mean I was signing that deal as fast as I possibly could 
did um did did you feel like there was a somebody watching over you in that moment when that that connection came did you, were you like wow this is this is special yeah i mean it was a huge answer to prayer um and then also you know i've always got a special place in my heart for john hackworth you know he was the guy who came out and saw me play he was the guy who you know would have said hey let's take a chance on this guy from missouri state which is again for so many years not a not a prominent college like let's take a chance on you know, an undersized center back, let's, you know, let's do that. And so that's something that, uh, that I'm extremely grateful for. So were you paying attention to St. Louis City SC coming into town? Had you sort of been, I mean, I guess you're in the same state. Was it, were you aware of what they were building here before you sort of signed on? I was, but I was pretty naive as to kind of the behind the scenes in the process. I just knew the first team was coming in 2023. And I mean, Next Pro just wasn't even a league yet until 2022. So it was probably only later in fall when people were reaching out to me like, Hey, there's a second team coming before the first team. And I didn't really understand what that meant or what that would look like. Um, until later, really probably, you know, a couple of weeks before hack called when I started to have a realization of what this new league would be and the opportunities it would provide. And you weren't the, the only player from, Missouri to come, right? Right. There was a few of you. Yeah, me, Josh Dolling, Michael Creek. So there was three of us. Um, so we gave the city two a strong Missouri State flavor for the first year. Did that make adapting to the the new system and the new club a, a bit easier? Like knowing a few people on the side. No, hundred percent. Just coming in with those guys, and I remember thinking, you think pro environments would be just from what I heard from guys who grew up um, playing in England and the academy teams and some of the experiences they've had with pros where maybe some of those guys weren't, you know, the kindest, or the most welcoming of environments. And that just wasn't the case with us with the second team last year. I don't think it's been the case with us this year is it really is a strong culture of guys who, yeah, we, we play soccer professionally, but we care about each other. We bond together. We really like to spend time with each other. Was, um, so, John Hackworth, when he signed you, he did say there is a chance that you could progress from City 2 to the first team if you prove yourself. Was that the carrot that was dangled? 100%. Yeah, that's what he said. It was one year with the second team. And then it was like, if you can prove yourself with the second team this year. So it's kind of a year pro contract. And then I also was really looking at it as it's a year trial, which for me was so much better than I, mean, I thought back to Vancouver when I had a week trial, how hard it is to show your intangibles and your character and your drive over a week. Like really to do a week trial, you want to be a flashy player. And I was not a flashy player. So I thought this is the perfect situation. I've got a year to be, you know, with these guys and with these coaches. Do you have like uh, sort of principles for, okay, I've got a year's trial here are the three things that I'm going to make sure I do every day. Do you have, do you have like those sort of, were there, were there key points of focus that you wanted to make sure that you really got across in your game? Mm. I mean, one big thing for me that actually after 2016, I got both my knee injuries from slide tackling. And so after that I had a, I was super attuned to, can I stay healthy and stay on the field? And so a big part of that is additional time that you're going to put in. And so that's something that was a huge habit for me in my later years of college was just taking care of my body. So I think that was one of the biggest things was I was going to be one of the guys who was in early taking care of my body, you know, stretching and taking care of, care of it after practice. 
Um, and I think I was able to play every minute with the second team last year, save maybe four or five. And so that was, I like really, you know, tuned into that. Is that like an extra gym, gym work as well? Like how do, you, how do you look after yourself? Yeah, extra gym work. And then I think once something comes up, you're, you're on it right away, you know, because you always have stuff come up during the year, you know, hamstring strains and knee tightness and turf toe or whatever it is, but just getting on top of it right away and just knowing your body too of, okay, I can do extra work here. I mean, that was something that made me who I was, was like I wanted to stay and do extra and get better and improve. I love that process. But then there's times when it's, okay, don't, don't do that. I mean, just shut it down for the day, just knowing your body. Oh, nice. And then um, the first game, slew. It's a, it's a, it's a second team essentially, and the capacity six thousand, ten thousand show up. Um, what did you make of the fandom from the St. Louis City fans and their support through that through that campaign? Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, that was the most people I'd ever played in front of in my life, and we won the game and it was just, that was such a high. My parents flew out for my first pro game. So they were there in the stands to support me. And that's the first kind of inkling I got that, you know, cause you, you would hear stuff, but you didn't really know. And it, that's when I knew St. Louis is a soccer city. You formed a formidable partnership with Josh Yarrow in the first season. Um, it felt like you two, um, prioritize building a connection with the fans even at that stage? Was that something that you, you'd spoken about before or just something that organically happened because it was, it was noticeable? I think it was organic. I mean, I was coming from college soccer and you'd be thankful when you'd have 100 fans in the stands. And so it was just thankfulness to them for coming out and supporting us. Um, they were paying money to come watch us play. And, um, you know, we wanted, you know, first off, what we did on the field, I think was going to be most appreciated, but we really wanted them to feel... We, we appreciated them coming to the game, spending their time supporting us. And so any opportunity that we had, um, we wanted to thank them for doing that. You had a great centre-back partnership. You had a great first season. Um, what did you learn about yourself during that, that first run? Um, or like, what did you add to your game? I think, I mean, for sure, a level of, of confidence because we would play against, we were playing second team games, but often it'd be guys signed to first team contracts. You'd be coming down and we'd be playing them and you'd be matching up and you thought, okay, this is, it's not the MLS level, but these are MLS guys. It's like, I can defend them. I can stop them. I can compete in this league. Um, so I was something that I was, you know, okay. I didn't know, you know what I mean? Until that point, I never played against, you know, that type of caliber player before. And as the season developed, players dropped in mm. top top players that you're playing with every day now but was it was it fun that you know all of a sudden there'd be a Klaus in training and then there was a Roman in training and then there was a Thomas Ostrak in training did it um, did it start to feel more and more real that at the end of this if I do well I'm playing with these guys every week yeah yeah and they came in and they immediately you know raised our level in training too and just some of the stuff that you know they were doing the way that they saw the game and processed information. It was like, okay, you know, my, my thinking needs to speed up. You know, when I get the ball, I need to always have my idea ready because there might be a gap to play between the lines, but it's only open 
for this moment. And so that was, that was very fun, especially I think Roman might've been the first guy to come in in early July. And there was a lot of excitement and buzz in the community and, and also in our locker room too. Like what type of, what type of guy is this going to be? Um, you know, what type of quality is he going to have? And, and you could see from the get go, okay, this, this is a high, high level. And then the rest of the guys came in, Edu, Klaus, I think Joachim was still injured at that point. So we never really got to see him play, you know, Tomas, Isak, Selmir, all these guys. So was, What's it like having a goalkeeper like Roman behind you, you know, does it, does it inspire confidence? Does it, does it, does it bring out more in your own game personally? Yeah. Yeah. You've got someone who is, is super talented with the ball at his feet. Um, and so there's a level of confidence, you know, you have to go back to your goalie, you know, he can pick, pick a pass anywhere on the field. Um, and he's also a tremendous, you know, shot stopper as well. So it's just, it's kind of like a safety blanket back there that you've got as a defender knowing, you know, he's got your back and he's bailed us out of so many games this year. We also introduced Bradley into the, into the club. Did you get to spend much time with him during that City 2 season? Did you feel like you had a good connection with him? Yeah, yeah. From the get-go, I mean, he came in and, you know, a lot of positivity, a lot of energy. Um, you know, he, he's an encouraging coach. He's, he's someone you like to be around. And he was actually the guy that came to me and said, hey, you know, it was kind of my first feedback was in maybe way earlier than I thought I was going to get. It was maybe April or May from him. And he just said, you know, you're doing really well, you know, keep going. So, okay, this, that's good news. You know what I mean? I went home right away. I told my wife, called my parents, hey, you know, Bradley said you're doing really well. Keep going. So that was a, that was a fun moment. And then he was the one who told me, I think, you know, when they were going to. What did he do? Did he like call you into an office or was it announced in front of the team? Like how does he, uh, how did he give you the good news that you were going to be part of the first team? No, that was just one-on-one. I think he just found me. I was in, you know, earlier to get some treatment or something. And then as I was walking in, I saw him and he said, Hey, you know, he was just kind of, we started talking about the game and then it organically changed to, you know, just, I've been doing well this year. And then it was kind of more of the, like you're doing well. It wasn't just for this season, but you're doing well. I mean, you've got an opportunity uh, for the first team. And then there's, I'm trying to remember the order of events, but I think that he came and told me, you know, we want to, maybe it was a meeting. I think it was a meeting they set up and it was in the coach's office and it was Bradley and Hack and Lutz and Vin. Um, I could be, there was some other, you know, Elvire and I'm trying to remember all the names that were there, but it's like everyone was in there. And I thought, oh, wow, this is the, this is the real deal. And that might've been in June when they told me, okay, we're gonna, you know, we want you for the first team for next year. You, you seem like a guy with a lot of um, self-belief, but was there, once you got the news, is there a, um, I'm, in, I'm in the big league. This is the big time for me. Can I make it? Do you ever have those sort of moments of doubt or are you like, I've been doing this since I was three years old. This is, this is my time. Um, I mean, there was for sure, a, I think, a joyful surprise. You know, I didn't know, you know, they kind, they kind of said when you read the contract, like they had to let you know by October or November. So I didn't realize they were going to be signing people, you know, throughout the year and bringing the news so early. So the fact that I heard so early, you know, I kind of had my mindset on I'm not going to hear anything until way later in the year. So the fact that I found out so early and could tell family and everything, uh, was just a really special moment shared by, you know, Cassidy, her family's from St. Louis. So we could share with all of them. My family's from Winnipeg. We ended up going home in Winnipeg, uh, to Winnipeg, 
Um, what did ju- you do to celebrate? In July, well, we had maybe two days. We had two days back. So we had a family event with extended family on both sides and just said, hey, we're, it's kind of awkward sharing actually. Like, <laughs> hey, can I say something? You know what I mean? We signed a first team contract, uh, but everyone was very excited. So it was, just, it was a cool moment. So the City 2 season ended with, um, with success, uh, like winning the Western Conference. Um, did, you, did you enjoy that moment? And was it special to be with that group of guys uh, during that phase? Yeah, there was a moment, you know, and it was cool having the, the first team guys come in. But there's a moment we kind of, I realized, you know, with college soccer, you'd have the seniors leave and new freshmen come in and some people transfer. But it's like, oh, this team is not going to stay together. You know, we've got something special in this group. Um, let's make the most of it on the field. Uh, so it was, a, it was a good group of guys. But it's like, this is this is kind of like a one-year thing. You know, this is this year. And then, you know, people are going to go. Some of us will be able to get first-team deals. And some are still with the second team. But a lot of guys went elsewhere. Um, so it's kind of a moment. It's like, oh, it's bittersweet. You know, we got the excitement around the corner. But... We've got one year with the second team. We've got one year with this group of guys. Can we make it count? It was quite nice to cap it with the Leverkusen game. Mm. You know, did yeah. um, did did I think Josh mentioned it in the speech before? He's sort of echoed your sentiment there that this is uh, this is a special moment. Let's go out and enjoy it. Yeah, up against a, a Bundesliga team with the type of quality that they had. Um, first game of the stadium. We were supposed to have it earlier in the year it got cold it got pushed back it was cold um yeah that was just really cool and now as i'm watching like i watch a premier league game it's like oh diaby is playing for villa very well as well right very well and you know what i mean i was playing against him at city park or hudson adoy is with you know forest you know and so i was like okay i was playing against him and you watch you know leverkusen highlights as well and you see okay these guys were there we played them and so and they're talking about leverkusen challenging for the Bundesliga this year as well yeah I mean they, they got a good team I just remember we played them I thought oh, this is it was a it was a funny moment in college one time we had I think it was maybe 2019 they were getting ready to play a D2 side in a spring game and that we didn't have a scout on them so our coach said we want to practice kind of going through a scout so we're going to watch I remember we watched clips of Atletico Madrid and we prepared to play Atletico Madrid and the guys are kind of kind of like, what are we doing? You know, preparing to go against Griezmann and I forget who was all there. And it was just, it was just kind of a whole nother world. But then we actually watched Leverkusen clips. Some of the clips was them playing Atletico Madrid. And I remember thinking just how wild it was to me a couple of years prior. Like we weren't playing Atletico Madrid, but we're watching a team that's playing them and competing with them. And that's the team we're going to play. And it just kind of was like, oh, full, you know, took me back moment. Awesome. Um, so preseason starts. Uh, you go to Coachella. Who, um, who in the in the squad did you sort of like vibe with the most? Were there any sort of like players that really like helped you get to grips with what was about to come in that preseason? Yeah, Edu and I were roommates, um, and he was someone who's come from you know a really high level in the Bundesliga. Um, you know, Creek as well, that the three of us, we all attend the same church and our, our wives are close. And so we're, we're really close friends. And so we were guys who'd been, you know, hanging out beforehand before those trips. Um, and he was someone who was encouraging me a lot, you know, Hey, 
know, Bradley believes in you. Like you've got it. Cause at that point I was like, okay, I made it to the MLS. Now I want to fight and grind for for a chance to play. It's like, you've got a, you've got a real chance to start at the beginning of the year, you know? And so it's kind of like, Oh, I've got a chance to, to start for this team. So it was just kind of, there was so much that happened in preseason and the beginning of the year. That was uh, very, very exciting. Did Bradley tell you anything in preseason about what he wanted from you? Yeah, I mean, he he said just you know play free, play with confidence. I, th- I think he wanted, you know, he had seen the the player that I was with City Two last year, and I think he wanted me to just enjoy the moment and, and, and be that type of player. You know, continue to learn and grow. And he's someone who would, you know, show okay, you know, be seeing this in this moment, um, but continue to be the the player that I was. Like I didn't have to completely change everything. Um, of who I was as a defender and, you know, on the ball and these things, but just improve these areas and, and just keep being who you are. So what did you feel when the the team was announced for Austin? Yeah, I think we probably found out two days before that was, uh, was like, this is, this is real. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to start, you know, in the MLS against. Did you get butterflies immediately? Was oh, it, like- immediately. Yeah. I'm going up against Driussi who had, I think he had 22 goals last year. Um, you know, one of the, best players in the MLS and this is going to be a guy who you know I'm going to have a chance to to tackle and defend and you know, it was really cool what was that atmosphere like for you as a player I mean because Austin is and an, has an unbelievable atmosphere right mm. what did you what did was it scary to play in there was it like whoa this is this is a this is even bigger than a City 2 game last year yeah for sure bigger <laughs> I mean you can't I'd say the biggest thing that you noticed was I mean, you couldn't hear anything. So you, Bradley's trying to say something on the sideline, but you don't know what he's saying, you know, or you're trying to communicate to someone across the field and, and, and you can't, they can't hear you. Um, but to some degree, it, after the first couple of minutes and the nerves die down, it's, you're just playing football, you're just enjoying yourself. And I mean, it was a roller coaster of a game. I remember when we scored, because I think the couple preseason games before we had some, didn't score as many goals. And then Tim scored in the first half. It's like, we could really score. We could really do this. And then they equalized and they went up 2-1. And then we equalized. Like, we could really salvage a point here. And then Klaus scored. And it's like, we could really steal three points. Um, for, for me, the, my favorite game of the year, Austin. In the dressing room after, was there like a, we, we just compete with Austin. Like, we could be the real deal. I mean, because I, I, I spoke to Klaus before the game and he mm. he was he was confident in the in the squad that we would compete all season what did what did you think about the squad having trained with them but not seen them in uh, a, a real game did you have the same belief in the squad as Klaus what were you thinking yeah I had the I would say I definitely had the belief in the squad um, but I knew you know I believed in the squad but I knew Austin had been to the Western Conference you know finals they were a top, top team from last year. So I thought this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a war out here. And so to actually win the game, it was, you know, just confirmation that we could be this team. You know, that was kind of the words like we can be this team who competes in this league at, at a very high level. And the celebrations were just incredible. I mean, just the joy throughout the whole club. Everyone was just over the moon. The big game, though, was the home game where you thought, really want to be on the I really want to be on that pitch for that first game was there oh yeah because I had been just in my head I looked back okay I'd been you know the first ever city two professional game first game of the stadium with Leverkusen 
uh, against Leverkusen in the fall. But then, you know, Charlotte was going to be, you know, forever. That will be City's first MLS game in the stadium. So something like, yeah, I want to be out there so, so bad. And then when I found out, I'd already family was already coming in town you know they said okay whether you play or don't play so you have to take a chance yeah you have you have to book to, those tickets yeah book those tickets i mean i think my parents booked tickets for the austin game too they came to austin and charlotte you know a month before the game i was like guys i have no i have no idea if i'm going to start i have no idea if i'm going to play i don't even know if i'm going to be on the roster you know I, I just don't have a clue yet um they took a chance and it paid off what was that game like uh what what was the um what, what did you feel when you walked onto the pitch and you look around and there's people that have been waiting a hundred years for a, a club like this to land and they're having the time of their lives? Did you feel it? Do you feel any emotion in that moment? Yeah. I mean, a lot of excitement, a lot of nerves. I remember probably one of my favorite moments from that game was, I think it was four minutes in, we turned them over in the corner and the crowd goes, I mean, we didn't, we didn't score a goal. I don't even know if it was a chance, but the crowd goes nuts because they knew, okay, the style's going to be high pressing. So it was kind of a moment. I'm like, this is, I mean, this is a bumping crowd and this is also a knowledgeable crowd. I mean, they know the style of football we're trying to play and they're getting excited when we execute what we're trying to do, you know, with a high, a high pressing turnover. You also scored very early in your career against another massive team i mean portland away i mean that's a very storied side that's a team that always gets wins i think a lot of people are like listen the run has been beautiful so far mm. but you're not getting anything at portland and then you scored a goal yeah that was that was a surreal moment i uh we conceded so early in that game too second or third minute the portland uh fans are, are going crazy we, we tie the game and then i remember on the free kick it it bounces before me. And so I'm like, just trying to get it back across goal and generate power. And then when it goes in, the defender ends up like trying to clear it. So he kind of bicycle kicks it into the top of the goal. And I remember celebrating, but running through my mind, I was thinking like, please don't let this be an own goal. Like, please don't let this be an own goal. Like, let this be, let this be my goal. And then to, to get the win um, there in Portland, we had a, it's like a four hour flight back. You lose two hours and you get back at seven in the morning. I don't think I slept at all on the plane. I was just, Buzzing. I was just wired. The music was going. You're like, this is, uh, this is the life right here. Um, so Bradley's got a next man up um, scenario. Your next man up moment was that you picked up a left back. Uh, talk to me about playing left back and a little bit right back as well. Mm. Yeah, I got told before the Sporting KC game that I was going to be. You know, they were going to try me at left back for that game. And they asked me if I'd done it before. And I said no, but I was excited for the challenge. Um, and so it was just cool. To, you know, my first game at left back, we could get, you know, a big 4 nothing win against a, a Derby rival. Derby game. Yeah, a huge yeah. game to get the win and, and just starting to build a comfortability being, you know, trying to become a more complete footballer where I can fill in at any spot across the back line. So you've clocked up 2,300 minutes this season which is massive. Um, what has been your favorite moment as a defender? Uh, favorite moment as a defender? I think probably the, the first game. I mean, scoring the, scoring the goals would be the, the favorite moment. I think of that more as on the attacking side. The first game, um, sticking a challenge in on Driussi and you know, flipping him over. And he's a, just a, a wondrous talent. But to be like, okay, I can get near these guys. 
I can tackle them. I can win the ball. You know what I mean? They're human. And that was kind of the moment where it's like, okay, I can belong in this league. And you've obviously had a great season because you got call up to the national squad. Um, how does that feel? I mean, does, is that like you're having a great season and then to get a call up? Is that like out of this world? I mean, that must give you so much pride. Yeah. It, the first three or four weeks, it just kept getting better and better and better. And I didn't, I didn't know how I could get any better. I mean, we were just winning all the games. I was starting. And then, you know, three games in, I score a goal. You know, four games in, we set the record for wins in a row by an expansion team, get the call to Canada. And then I get a cap with Canada. And I was just, it just felt like, like, what is going on? You know what I mean? It just kept going up and up and up. So that was a, that was a dream come true. I think that was what I thought about when I was a kid. I thought about pro soccer, but I really thought, okay, I want to play in the World Cup for Canada. And Canada hadn't sniffed a World Cup in, you know, I think 36 years before they went in 2022. And then, you know, I was not anywhere near that roster until this year. So to get the chance to get the call up and it was the first camp post-World Cup. So it was all the guys from, it fun? from the World Cup. Yeah, it was all the guys I just watched at the World Cup. I mean, they didn't get out of their group, but they did, you know, tremendously well to, to get to the World Cup and they did Canada proud. And it was just fun being one of those guys. And you go into the playoffs, second season running. Um, what's the what's the feeling in the dressing room? Like, are you one game at a time, or are you dreaming big? Like, what's going on? Yeah, one game at a time. Um, you know, when we clinched the playoffs, we knew for a while yeah, you were going to be a playoff team. Um, and so now, obviously, a big goal for us would be, you know, can we can we win the West? Brilliant. And um, we always like to end the podcast with um, a message from you to the fans. Uh, we know that they love you and that they'd, they'd love to hear what you've got to say. Yeah, I mean, from, from the bottom of my heart, you know, thank you to the fans who show up um, day in and day out, um, supporting St. Louis, the amount of stickers that I see and, and banners and shirts and then in the stadium. Um, you know, it's an electric atmosphere but it's also an atmosphere that makes a difference. You know, this is not an atmosphere that's in every club across the MLS. So the, the noise and the energy that they bring, it, it helps us win games. I mean, you look at our home record versus away record. So they're making a difference uh, for this team. Uh, we love them and we're excited to be in front of them. What a great message. Um, well, that ends the show. Kyle, you've been absolutely amazing. Um, on the podcast and on the pitch this season. So thank you for joining this. And if you are listening to this, remember, go to Apple or Spotify. Leave a five-star review and make sure you let Kyle know how great he was so that he'll come back next season. Uh, And on that note, I'll say ciao for now. Thanks for listening. Awesome. Thanks, Pete.